Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and thanks for listening and coming with me as we explore the human side and impact of crime. And just a couple of things I'd like to ask you to consider. Firstly, my guests share their personal stories, which others may see differently. No one will see a situation the same. It's just human nature. Uh, Secondly, my podcasts aren't suitable for children and some adults for that matter. So please consider if it's right for you and contact Lifeline or any other support service if you find yourself affected by my subject matter. Oh, and don't forget, my next show is at the State Library of Victoria on Saturday the 25th of June with undercover cop Keith Banks. I reckon you'll think twice about trusting anybody after listening to Keith. Uh, Tickets are through Eventbrite. Thanks. It sort of everything became patently and very crystal clear to me what was going on, mistake I'd made, that we were in serious trouble because as he's dropped to the ground, I thought, yeah, that's a pretty good place to go. So I dropped to the ground too and I thought, right, hell, we're in trouble here because I could hear some more shots coming. Well, just to recap, Peter Lukaitis was a 39-year veteran of Victoria Police and in 1999 he was involved in a 19-hour-long siege in Kangaroo Flat, a suburb of Bendigo here in Victoria, where he received Victoria Police's highest bravery award, a Valour Award and other bravery awards, along with another couple of people. To this day, the siege, which resulted in four police being shot, is still the single largest number of police shot in the one incident in Victoria's history. Every one of those four police somehow miraculously survived, but it did change their lives forever. I thought Peter's reasons for handing in his recreational gun licence after the shooting, it really stuck with me, and I'm sure it will with you also. And, you know, the moment Peter walked into uh, the Castlemaine Police Station to start his shift on the day of the siege, he talks about just knowing that it was going to be one of those shifts where it's just on (laughs) and your feet never touch the ground. Boy, there's a few of us police, most of us, I think, that have felt like that. I hope you enjoy part two of Peter Lukaitis' heroic efforts, along with a whole group of other police and some members of the community who all risk their own lives to save others. Thanks. So, Peter, I'm not sure how you feel about telling us about the siege, but can you tell us in as little or as much detail as you feel comfortable about what happened on that day? 
Yeah, sure. Um, well, look, on that day, it's funny. Um, it was you know, there's some days when you're in the police force where you know, especially in the country, nothing much happens, and you just go through. You know, you've got things to do, admin work and checking briefs and all that sort of stuff. But on this day, um, I was doing a cabal shift, which was um, patrolling um, the local uh, night spots in, in Bendigo with um, two other members. But from the moment I walked in, um, I'm just trying to remember what time I worked, but I think it was around about, I was starting at um, six or it might have been seven. Anyway, it was anyway. It was late. It was in the evening, and from the moment I walked in, um, Sergeant Tony Commodore, um, who also got a rugby medal out of the siege, and was very brave, um, he said, "Oh, Pete, we've got this information that a, that a, some student from a local college was going to break into the college, get a gas cylinder, and use it to blow up something." I don't know whether he's going to blow up part, I can't remember, blow up part of the school or something like that. So I had to then, uh, and he said to me, oh, look, could you look after this? I've got to go. And and he was then going out to make inquiries into what turned out to be the siege later on. And he said, look, I've got to go to this job. Could you deal with this job now? And I said, well, sure. So I, I took it on board. And I made arrangements for one of our members that I was going to be on the pool shift to to sit in the um, science room of this of this school whilst we had another member out, or two the two members have them in there, and then have another member outside in a car or something like that um, to to see if he did break in and try and get this gas cylinder. Um, but it was pretty reliable. It, it was reliable information, and we had to do something about it. We couldn't just let it let it. Um, let it happen. Um, then straight after that, we got. Um, I went to put uh, a young fellow through the book had been done for 0.05. And as I was asking him the questions to um, release him, um, he uh, more or less was saying to me, yeah, well, it doesn't matter because I know what I'm going to do now. And I looked at him and I thought, yeah, I think I know what you're going to go do now and it's not going to be good. Um so I thought, look, you need a mental health check. This, this, because some people really can, um, you know, have a have a permanent solution to a temporary problem, for want of a better way of saying it. And they think they think, no, nah, that's the solution for me. So I felt that he needed a mental health check. He needed us to take him into temporary custody and and get him checked. Uh, and then, he, and then, unfortunately, he was over the other side of the table. And it was a really long table, so he's going around one one side of the table, and I'm going around the other side of the table, trying to um, trying to get him because I think he realised that I'd realised. And uh, anyway, we got him, and unfortunately, we had to put him in the secure um, cell just to to watch him and and just yeah. wait for the um, yeah. for the mental mental. Um, um, help check to, to come along with the um, anyway. So the moment we actually closed the door um, was when a mem- I turned to my right and there was a member there saying, "Peter, we need you up at um, we used to call it D twenty four, D twenty four in the radio room because we've got a situation out at um, Kangaroo Flat where we think we've had a member shot and um, or two members shot 
and uh, can you come up and get ready? And I thought, oh, and I sort of looked at him and was thinking, you you couldn't be, you've got to be joking. You know, you couldn't be, this, this couldn't be happening. Um, anyway, it was happening. <laughs> um, so I um, turned to um, the fellow I was with, Glenn Maillard, and I said, Glenn, can you get everything for us to go out to this job? This isn't sounding good. Um, and uh, we'll go out as 250. So Glenn went, went away and did that. And... Um, I've got a feeling there might have been a TMU traffic management unit there too, and I, I asked him to go out. So I ran upstairs and spoke to the members on the um, on the board and got a got a sort of a basic rundown of what was happening. The two members have been shot. They don't know what sort of firearm. They don't know where the offender was, but they think he was at um, you know a certain address in Kangaroo Flat on the main road. Um, and had very little they could tell me. They said, but we don't know much else. We need you to get there and find out more for us. Um, and little did I, I, little did I know, um, but in situations that are um, tricky when you get into those sort of situations and you are holding something in your hand, like a radio, so our members would have had handheld radios then, um, you tend to, if, if, if everything goes to... Um, you know, it goes bad, you tend to, to discard whatever's in your hand. You tend to go to survival mode, get rid of whatever's in your hand and go, you know, look for cover and get undercover, and especially when someone's shooting at you. And I think that's what happened there. So the only person that was at the scene that really had any communications, and it wasn't good communications because his mobile phone was um, broken, um, was... Um, Superintendent Dave uh, Mansell, and he... Um, he was there. He was um, actually off duty and had, had um, seen what was happening and had gone to help them. And um, in some ways, lucky he did because he, he was our communication. So I uh, had to quickly get ready and jump in the car with Glenn and off we went. And um, we drove to uh, where the scene was and the van was there with... Um, uh, you know, a couple of members behind it, and the ambulance was there. Uh, there was, I think, two ambulances were there. So we sort of had a bit of cover there, and um, so Glenn and I pulled up, put on our vests, and we started talking to – I started talking to the ambulance guys because I sort of wanted to say, look, um, you know, what do you know about what's – because they said to me they'd been there to the house in question early in the day, and I said, well, what did you see? What did you um, – you know, t- tell me what you know. And they thought they'd seen a firearm there leaning up against the wall. And I said, right, and I was trying to get, you know, details what firearm, because it, which can make a difference. Are we looking at a military-type rifle or are we looking at a twenty-two? Although all firearms are dangerous and lethal for, a, or, you know, lethal and, and therefore after lethal you've got serious injury um, for a long way. You know, you're talking, you could be talking, you know, 1,500, two kilometres. Oh, um, yep. So you got to you got to you got to sort of think about that, and uh, they sort of giving me some information, and then all of a sudden, out of the blackness in front of us, came a fellow called Mr. Beckman's, and um, he was coming from the direction of the house where we thought the where we the siege was, and um, we thought, well, who's, is this the offender, or you know, who's this? So we 
sort of was standing there and I put up my, took out my firearm and just said to him, you know, yeah, come to, or just with your hands up so that we can, um, we can uh, just make sure you're, you're hunky, hunky-dory. So he came towards us and as he was coming towards us, he said, look, I'm just coming from back over the road um, and we're talking, when I say over the road, we're talking um, the extension of the Calder Highway and it's quite a, you know, it's a four-lane carriageway, so it's fairly big. And he was saying that one of your members um, was behind a tree and got shot. And he, my daughter was over there looking, who was a nurse, was looking after him. And so we searched him and everything was all right. And he, he then said to me, oh, I'm going to go back and help him. And I thought, well, I said to him, no, mate, you can't go back. I can't let you go back because you're, you're walking through a crime scene. <laughs> you know, yeah, you yeah. could be shot. Um, although... In hindsight, now he wasn't. He he didn't shoot Mr. Beckman as he came through, and I don't think he was even trying to shoot anyone else. But he was trying to shoot police. So, um, so Mr. So I said, no, come back behind the um, come back behind the van, and we'll get you into cover. And straight away, as I got him behind cover, Alf, Inspector Alf Kaminsky pulled up on our left, so left of the ambulances, and uh, and a little way in front of the ambulances, and uh, he was getting out with his clipboard. And um, he said, Peter, could you come over here and give me a briefing? And um, and and I made a classic mistake that um, I should have said to Alf, no, no, Alf, you come over here. Um, and Alf was an ex-detective too, so and I'm, I was an ex-detective then. And um, but I, anyway, I I made a bit of a mistake and said, not a bit of a mistake, a big mistake, and said. Um, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll come over. So I went over there and I was just saying, look, Alf, we've got, well, look, boss, we've got this happened. I've now found out we've got two members shot and one of them's over there and I'm just trying to rack my brain how we're going to get to him. Um, I, I mm-hmm. believe the other, I, I think the other member's um, okay. The first one, which was um, Peter Ames, um, he was rescued by um, uh, Tony Commodore and, and a couple of other members. So, uh, sort of thought he was all right, but I was worried about um, Craig Miller, who's who was a detective who was sort of trying to stop traffic and people walking past the scene, and was actually behind a tree, and had just sort of poked his a little bit out to have a look and was shot. Um, so that's how good this guy was at shooting people, and uh, quite seriously. And um, anyway, I'm talking to Alf, and I hear, and then Alf just drops his pad puts his hands down to his tummy and says, I've been shot. And then, and I heard a shot. And it sort of everything became patently and very crystal clear to me what was going on, mistake I'd made, that we were in serious trouble um, because as he, as he dropped to the ground, I thought, yeah, that's a pretty good place to go. So I, I dropped to the ground too and I thought, right, hell, we're in trouble here because I could hear some more shots coming. And uh, sort of just, and you could hear the ding, you know, it's sort of like the uh, pinging off something, which is sort of, I, I would imagine was the road, or something like that. And I thought, hell, we're in, yeah. we're in, we're in strife. So oh, yeah. I thought, yeah. I'll, I said to Alf, mate, we've got to get over to your car, mate. We've got to get, we, I'll, I'll push you. We've got to get over there. And he goes, oh, he was, he was very quickly incapacitated. So I just started pushing him, yeah. um, and he was, a, you know, he was a medium sized sort of. Person and he and he wasn't easy to push and I was pushing against the road, 
But I thought that was my best thing, get him over to behind and under his car. And the ambulances just prior, just prior to that were moving, had moved back a bit. So our cover, I couldn't sort of get him back to the ambulances because the cover had, um, the cover had gone. And, um, because uh, they said they'd received a message saying that they were uh, too close to the scene. Um, we, and we, look, we were probably all too close to the scene, to the where he was. Um, and with, with 22s, we found out later it wasn't Anxious 22, which funnily enough, I used to go rabbit shooting with two. And um, I, I don't like going shooting anymore. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, wouldn't do it. But um, uh, he was using an Anxious um, 22. And um, you, you you cannot see flash from them. Like people think, oh, you could see a flash from a from a, a rifle, but you can't. You don't. You, you can't see. It's only very, 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 very minor. Um, so I was trying to get him back up to under the car when um, I felt something hit my really hard hit my foot, my right foot. And, um, you know, I could hear, still hear, hear the shots and uh, he felt something hit my right foot and I thought, oh, that must be a bit of shrapnel. <laughs> you know? oh um, but it, but it felt like if you put your, if you put your foot out and you said to someone, hey, take that hammer and hit my foot, that's what it felt like. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, um, but, but adrenaline fits in, fit, you know, gets in pretty quick, thank God. And it didn't, after the initial hit, it didn't really, um, Probably didn't really hurt at all because um, I, I had a lot of adrenaline. And I, but, but when it happened, I thought, "Whoa! Even I'm getting hit, so that means he's got a, he he can see us. He's got a direct line." And I think that 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 bullet only missed my head by millimeters because my my um, head and foot were sort of facing towards the offender. I now know, so he's just missed my head and gone down to my foot. So mm. I've said to well, mate, got to go. We've both got to go. Jumped up. Ran, ran past the van and jumped behind a sort of a small little fence. And then I thought, okay, I should be all right here because um, he couldn't, I wasn't in any direct line to where I thought he might have been shooting from. And I looked up and I said, Alf, you haven't, you haven't got up, you haven't moved. What's wrong? And he was sort of, was, had got up like a, a shot rabbit. Um, when you go shooting rabbits, you can see they, Sometimes if you get them in the um, body, they sort of their head goes up and the body's just lying on the ground. And uh, he said, "No, I'm buggered. I'm, that's it. I'm, I can't. I'm buggered." Oh, and I thought, "Oh my god!" Um, and that made me just feel bad, or just you know, really bad. And I thought, "Bloody hell! Um, I've got to do something for him. I can't. I just cannot leave him there." Um, so I got up. Went back to where the members were behind the van and the ambulance was there. And the ambulance guy, I said, we've got to go and get him. And the ambulance guy said to me, look, do you want me to go and get him? And I said, no, no, no. Look, you haven't got a vest on. I've got a vest on. Um, probably won't take me long. I'll just put the vest around. I'll, I'll keep my vest on, obviously, but I'll get around him and I'll just try my best. Um, so I told him I'm coming and I, I ran over to him, got down beside him and just wrapped myself a bit around him. And I said, mate... We cannot stay here. It's too, too dangerous. We're going to have to go, and I'm going to count to three, and we're going to have to go. You're right with that? And he said, yeah, I'll try it. So I said, one, two, three, up we went. And I don't know whether it was him helping me or me or whatever, but you get a real surge of adrenaline and um, got him up. 
and then there was a tree to my right and um, I got in behind the tree. But um, when I got behind the tree, you sort of look at it and you think, mm, yeah, it's a nice tree, but it ain't that big. Um, <laughs> cause it, Sorry, it's not even it. funny, but the things you think about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was you could still hear some shots coming and I, mm. I was thinking, gee, whiz, we're, 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 it's not a big tree. And I could see Alf's bottom because I had him lying. I, I got him lying down in direct line with the tree. So he's, his body was you'd have to shoot through the tree. And I thought, well, his bottom bottom's looking pretty good. I think I'll just put my head right there. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, so I chucked my head right there and then I just had, you know, probably a couple of seconds to think. And I was thinking and I had a look around and there was a – back behind us there was a thank, – thank God there was a, um, a concrete um, bus shelter. And I took look. Probably that's our best bet. I'll get back to the shelter, and then we'll. Because he was he was saying to me, "I'm I'm, I'm going downhill, mate." I'm, and I thought, God, yeah, he'll be losing blood in his tummy if he's been shot in the tummy. He'll be losing blood. Um, I don't know what's happened. I've, I've got to get him to some sort of uh, medical assistance quickly. And so I thought, okay. I said to the ambos, "Look, if you can move back, if you can move further back to where that." Um, where that uh, bus shelter is, I'll get him back to the bus shelter and then I'll get him across the culvert and um, get him to you. So they agreed. I got him back to the – I just waited for a lull in the in the firing and got him back to the, um, the bus shelter and then I got him over the culvert to the ambulance and then um, got him in and that was great. And then I um, stayed back there and um, – just about then, um, uh, uh, Lenny Igo and Steve and Peter Cashin, uh, both members who were at our occupational safety training unit, they came up and they had um, their firearms, actually long firearms, and they had a, a mobile phone that they gave me, which was great because I was then able to contact um, D24, give them a sit rep. Um, and uh, be available for any other any other communications, and I then I also wanted to watch our members because with something like that, it's pretty dynamic, and you don't know whether an offender is moving around. And if he's trying to get police, I was thinking, wow, if he's trying to get police, what's wrong? What's wrong with him jumping over a back fence, a side fence, another fence, and then he's he's around behind us? Um, so I thought, well, I better um, stay here. Um, just have my firearm ready and um, just make sure we're not going to get jumped from behind. Um, so that's what I did. And I rang my wife. We, my wife and I, the owner, had had um, a little bit of a, you know, just a little bit of a blue before I'd leave for work, a bit of an argument. And usually I'd, I'd kiss her goodbye before I went to work. And um, I hadn't that day. I rang her and I said, um, Maybe I should have uh, should have given you that little peck on the cheek before I left. And she said, oh, "Why? What are you ringing about? You know what's going on?" Oh, and I said, "Well, you start? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's been a bit of a situation, lovey, and um, I thought I'd better tell you I am all right um, oh, because God. with the, with those things, it gets over the radio pretty quickly, and you don't want oh, someone yeah. sitting at home thinking, "Hang on, no, my no. my husband just went to work, and there's a couple of police shot at uh, Benigo." Yeah, so. Got that 
um, put away and then um, I was, you know, just able to watch the members and then my foot started to really, uh, it started to go numb and sort of kicking with a bit of pain. I was thinking, oh, this isn't feeling that good. I thought it might have just been a shrapnel thing, but actually it's not feeling that good. And later on I learned that it had broken two bones in my foot um, and, um, yeah, which, you know, luckily was okay after an operation, but you, know, you, could, you can get issues with busted bones and infection and stuff like that. Um, but, but, it, so but it wasn't a hammer, was it? It was an actually you had been shot in the foot. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. you know, 22 at 100 metres can, can do a fair bit of uh, damage, mm. um, as, as the other members knew too. I mean, they were really seriously, seriously hurt and were in hospital for, for, for quite a while, whereas I was one of the lucky ones who got out of hospital reasonably quickly. Um, so once they we had once we sort of had a little bit more members to cordon and contain, um, uh, they decided to get me out, um, uh, which I was sort of you know thankful for because it was starting, my foot was starting to go. I couldn't really feel my foot anymore. Um, so the ambulance got me out. Got got to the ambulance and got me out, and um, I went to hospital where they then you know um, got things going. But funnily enough, as I was wheeled in. I looked up on the wall and there was a photo of Silk. Uh, sorry, not a photo of Silk, but Tynan and Air, yeah, yeah. who were young members who were shot in Wall Street um, uh, way back in the eighties when I was a, a you know a junior member at Fitzroy. Um, and I looked at looked at because the emergency area, the emergency part of the hospital I was going to had had money donated by the Tyne and Air Foundation, and I thought, how appropriate is this? You know, those two poor buggers, yeah. they got shot and killed, and here I am being wheeled in and I'm being shot, but I'm getting I'm getting some assistance from the poor situation that, um, mm-hmm. that they had to go through and sort of hit home, you know. Well, I bet it did. It wasn't good. No. Um, what, hap- what happened to the offender, Peter? Uh, he... I think shortly after I was shot, um, and I was shot, that it was a short sort of space of maybe half an hour, maybe fifteen minutes, that he actually shot himself. Um, he had a, he had a lot of mental health issues that we think was um, you know a lot of, like a lot of people think smoking dope's okay, but for some people smoking dope isn't okay. It, it, um, if you talk to anyone in the mental health area. They will tell you that cannabis, along with any other some other drugs, is not a good drug for some people who um, may have a propensity to, you know, smoke a lot of it or um, have issues with mental health. Um, it can cause. Like- Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Pink psychosis. I mean, it's sort of anecdotal evidence, but... Um yeah, a lot of people, it sort of annoys me, and I'm like, oh, you know, smoking dope doesn't doesn't do any harm. Well, sorry, I've got a different viewpoint because, um, and, I, and, I, and I know a lot of mental health practitioners have the same viewpoint as me that um, it can cause harm. But, um, uh, yeah, look, it came out in the coroner's court hearing that maybe that he had some mental health issues, and um, in some ways I feel sorry for him. You know, I feel... Oh, yeah. You know, not every you know, not everyone wants to put themselves in that situation, and sometimes because of genes or mm. something that's happened in our life, we get into those situations and we do stupid things. Um, but you know, if we were, you know, if we had a clear head and had help, or you know, didn't have the genes that we had, uh, we we probably wouldn't have done it. Um, so yeah, just mm. a shame all around. Talking about a clear head, so clearly your actions on that day were nothing short of heroic because you literally put yourself in the line of fire after being shot yourself to protect your colleague who Mm. had been shot also. Were you able to think reasonably clearly or did your your training take over with the actions you took on that day? I think, well, when I first got there, I, I don't mind admitting it was pretty overwhelming. And I would put it to any police member that you get to a scene where, okay, you've got two members shot. Um, it's over to you, Roy. You know, you work it out. What are we going to oh do? It's, yeah. it's, it, can be a bit, it can be a bit overwhelming. And you do have to fall back on your training, like, you know, think cordon containment. Um, you know, what, what, what resources do we need? What communications have we got? How are we going to go and get that shot member? And thank God, someone at, someone at D24 worked out and made phone calls and they got an old, um, an old, uh, bank delivery van that was armored, an armored car. Um, which I'm just so thankful, number one, that they thought of it. Number two, that they were able to, get onto someone in Bendigo who had an armoured vehicle yeah. that they could bring along and go and get Craig because Craig was in a really bad way and, and get mm. him and get him medical help. I mean, that was just terrific work that um, mm. um, really Gee, needed right. honouring. That, that, yeah. that, that's thinking on the, uh, on the hop, isn't it? Oh, yeah, that's thinking outside the square and thinking on wow. the run. I, I just admire that. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, look, it is, it is overwhelming, but you but you have to fall back on on your, on your training and that cordon. What are we going to do? Cordon containment, uh, communication, situation. What's our mission? Um, um, SMEAC is a terrific thing to have in your head. You know, situation, mission, execution, administration, and communication is beautiful. It's you know just you know go through it and you you can you can start working things out. Um, but look, it happened so quickly. And when things happen so quickly, you do fall back into that natural um, survival mode like, hell, let's get out of here. Where's the nearest cover? There it is over there. Let's go for that. Um, And as I said before, you tend to drop things that are in your hand. You tend to becoming um, that primary survival mode that I've got to get out of here, got to get out of here, got to take cover, take cover, you know, um, and then reassess. which is probably good, you know. You 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 can't just sit there like a sitting duck. And um, yes, it was a mistake that we made, but we but then you've got to minimise that mistake. And um, um, and part of it was that I thought, well, okay, okay, I'll yeah, okay, I'm an experienced experienced police person. I'm experienced, but he's there, and I need to get him out. You know, and I'm the man to get him out now. You know, it was partly. Um, you know, I should have got him to come over behind the cover, and uh, oh, so come yeah, on, come on, Peter. It. It's it's pretty easy to say that, but I think anyone in the position you're in, you can think reasonably clearly, maybe. But you're not going. Not every decision you make is going to be the right one, is it? You, there's always going no. to be mistakes made, and that yeah, yeah. And I just think what you did really in my view would it be right that you actually saved you you very possibly saved elf's life i think if the sh- if yes I, look I, 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 yes i agree if 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 we'd left him there i reckon he would have gone for him again and uh, I, and in fact look he probably was trying to go for him again when we could mm. hear those other shots mm. um so yeah, no, I think he would have been got again, and uh, it wouldn't have been nice at all. I mean, it wasn't nice even up until then. And poor old Alf um, went through a lot in hospital, and unfortunately, sadly, Alf um, two years later got a um, had a an issue with his brain um, and um, died, and he was only uh, look, he might have been fifty three. Um, and we became really, we became really good friends. We had a real connection. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, you get a real bond. It's, it's just an, an unseen bond that we, that he and I had. Um, and it was just sad we couldn't continue that. That that he then got um, got the problem with his brain, and oh, it was just a shame all around that. Um, yeah, we couldn't continue being friends up you know, because obviously because he, he died. It was just. Just a shame, shame for his daughters and, his, and um, Denise mm. um, that it happened after that. It was sad. Mm. It, it's um, it's a, a saying, isn't it, about uh, the brotherhood or the sisterhood uh, in emergency services in policing? But when you do go through uh, traumatic situations, there is a bond uh, that is lifelong. Like when you see them next time, it's just you go back to. You're just very, very close. It it does, it binds people, and I think that's why police in general have such a very strong bond with each other. Yes. Is because of those situations that you experience that not many people would. Yes, 
because you are every day when you go to work. It's, it's, it, I mean, the police force is, is, is a terrific job. It's got an, an element of risk and danger with it. So you do rely on one another. And you, I totally agree you get that bond. Um, like when I was at hospital sitting in the emergency area, um, a, a detective, senior detective, Patrick Bannon, who was with the Maverick policeman in his day, but he and I had worked together for four years and we had a real strong bond. We, I sort of knew what he was thinking or about to say and he knew the same. Yeah. You know, it was, it was terrific because when we, when we worked together, we just, you know, it was like hand in glove. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when, I, when I was in that hospital emergency, he turned up shortly after I got there and he said, mate, I'm just here to sit with you and, and you know, chew the fat and talk through things. And if you want me to make notes, I'll make notes. And if you want me to do anything, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. And that I think having him there set me on the right path. You know, I was, I was just about to, even though I had some morphine and stuff, I was just able to talk to Pat and go through it all. And um, it was it was terrific. It was really yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, were there... Are there or were there repercussions from the siege in relation to your outlook on life in general and policing? Yes, it made me, yes, in life in general um, and, and for the police force, well, certainly with the police force, I became a bit more cautious for a while. Um, in fact, it's funny, the first job I went to after I turned to work, I went to a job in Bendigo and I got out of the car and I had a, I got a blood nose and I thought, <laughs> Why am I getting a blood nose? <laughs> but you know, obviously, um, you know, I was something was 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 happening. Um, but it, but in life, it made me reassess my life, and it made me it makes you sort of look back and say, um, look at what I've got. You know, just appreciate what I've got. I've got all these really good things. I'm happily married. Got four lovely children. Got a great place in Castlemaine. I've uh, got a lot of good friends in Castlemaine, um, and good, you know, working in a good uh, with good police and enjoying it. That's great, you know. And you sort of think, well, that's fantastic. I, you know, I, I, it just makes you look back and not just ignore that, but but realise that um, how good what you've got is, um, and you know, maybe um, think, well, that's pretty good. I'm pretty happy with that. I, I don't know if I really have to push for other things in life, you know. I'm, I'm really lucky to have what I have and just, you know, sit back a little bit and appreciate it. And it did make a difference career-wise. I sort of thought, well, you know, I've done the two things that I wanted to do. I've, I've, I became um, a detective and did that for eight years and really loved it. Um, and I became a sergeant and, you know, really loved that. And, you know, do I really need to change a goalpost? You know, maybe, maybe not. You know, maybe this is where I found my sort of nirvana. I found the niche that I was looking for. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that does, you certainly reassess and you don't get you don't get so worried about things. You don't, you know, sweat the small things. You sort of think, oh, look, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, the, you know I've, got, I've got enough money in my back pocket and um, why, why don't we just, you know, don't, don't worry about that or, you know, yeah, it's good. It's a good feeling in, in some ways. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame, <laughs> you had, a shame you had to go through that. But, but um you know, it's funny what you talk about then about where you, you came to work that day and that used to happen a lot where you'd walk in and you'd think, pardon me, but this is going to be a shit shift. <laughs> it just happens from the minute you walk in, it is just on. Things yeah. are happening everywhere. And I've got to go back 
what happened, I shouldn't laugh, but what happened to that young mental health man that's still in the cells? Where's oh. he at this point? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, to be honest, I, I, I you don't know. You've got no idea. Look, I hope he realises that we might have saved him from doing something silly, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, I've got no doubt he was going to go off and do something silly. I've seen it. I've seen it in people before. They lose their license, and they because he knew he was going to lose his license, but they then think it's the end of the world. Yeah, um, yeah. and it's not the end of the world. But I, I and I also remember a fourteen-year-old girl when I was working at Melbourne City um, had come in for something. I think we were doing a mental health check on her, and I said to her, sort of like, you know, have you got a plan about doing things? And we were talking, talking, and she said to me, you know what? Um, I know what you're getting at, but I know that what you're talking about is a temporary problem, uh, a, a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Mm, and that came from a 14-year-old, and I thought, gee, that's deep. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, for a 14-year-old, you're right. Yeah. Oh. Now, now I don't know whether she got that from a psychiatrist or someone in the mental health mm. field, but I used – I don't know how many times I've used that when um, <laughs> yeah. I've spoken to people and just sort of said, look, have you, have you thought about this, that – I know how bad you're feeling at the moment, and I, and I know it's easy for me to sit here and talk with you and say this, but if you thought about that what you're thinking about is just is a permanent solution to a temporary problem, but this, this problem will pass. You know, you, you can't see it at the moment, but I can almost tell you that most for most people those things pass. So, yeah, and I'm happy we, we did what we did for them. Yeah. Um, yeah, such such wise words from a, a young woman. Uh, Peter, you said before that you don't shoot anymore. You used to go shooting uh, rabbits or whatever it be. Is that because of what happened at the siege? Uh, yes. Okay. I sort of felt the pain that animals would feel if they get shot and I sort of thought, no, nah, I just can't do that anymore. I've, look, I'm not religious. I'm probably – well, I am an atheist now, but um, – I sort of probably take on that Buddhist principle that um, not to, to to hurt any other living thing. Like I mean, I know we, we, when we get spiders in the house, I just capture them and take them outside. Um, and I just yeah, I've just got that feeling that I just don't want to inflict pain mm. on anything. And yes, it did come from that night. I, mm. I got rid of my rifle, um, got rid mm. of my license, and uh, uh, yeah, just that's that's the feeling I have now. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, uh, you and the other uh, injured officers, you were initially denied compensation, and I don't know if you want to go into this, and it doesn't matter if you don't. But it was after the then Victorian Premier Jeff Kennett decided to make changes to workers' compensation laws. Uh, I'm right. assuming that you felt pretty deserted and unsupported. Would I be right there, or? Uh... Look, at the time, I was probably a little bit tied up with um, making sure I recovered properly. And I sort of knew that if I got too immersed in um, money things or compensation, and look, I was very happy that the other members did push that barrow because, you know, we did did get compensation in the end. And I was very grateful and, and happy that that happened. So I sort of knew from my mental health perspective that it was important that I didn't get too head up over it and that I just relaxed and made sure I recovered. Um, so I sort of deliberately didn't go down 
that path as much as I did. Okay. Um, but, but it did upset them. And, and it's sort of, look, I thought, yeah, I did see the, um, the, the unfairness in it. Um, but I sort of, yeah, but I was, and I was very happy that they followed it up and that Dave Mansell followed it up. And there are probably a lot of other people I don't even know about. Um, mm-hmm. um, Bob Cameron, who was, I think Bob, yeah, Bob Cameron was our local uh, member then. And I think, um, uh, you know, there was probably other members, other people that followed it up on, on our behalf. Um, so, yeah, and I was very happy because it, it did come in handy later on and, and it allowed me to, you know, take Fiona overseas and go to a lot of places that I, I thought I would never go to, have the money to go to. So, yeah, that was good. And then and, and do other things with it. Um, um, but, uh, yes, yeah, so it was sort of, I thought it was unfair, but it was rectified. Um, it was rectified and, that, and I was very grateful that it was rectified. Um, yeah, it, it can yeah. be. It can become all-consuming, can't it? Um, fighting for anything. Sometimes it can take over your life, and um, as you say, it sounds like you were so thankful that you did. Uh, you weren't killed on that night, yes. and I suppose yes. it put everything in perspective. Yes, the money's handy, but in the end, you had your life, and the but the poor. And I have. I do say it genuinely. The poor offender. You know, he didn't, but you've got to put things in perspective, don't you? Yes, and that was part of that, what you asked me about before, reassessing your life um, afterwards. That was part of it. You reassess your mm-hmm. life, think, look, okay, if we get the compensation, that'll be really lovely. It'll be good and I'll, and I'll have something to do with it. But if I don't get it, well, you know, look what I've got. I've already got yeah. rich. I'm rich, yeah. rich beyond yeah. most mm-hmm. people, you know, I'm rich and and. Funnily enough, one day I, I remember I, I rang my mum about something. Um, I don't know, there's some issue. And I, I rang my mum. She 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 says she she can't remember saying this, but I rang mum about something, and she said, "Peter, I'm going to give you some um, some advice that a lot of people pay a lot of money for and go to Collins Street to get." I said, "Oh, that's interesting, mum. What is it?" She goes, "Forget about it and move on." Yeah. And I thought, yeah. "Oh, okay." <laughs> Forget about my foot that's just been shot and just move on. <laughs> move on. Um, and that, 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 that was about something else. But I think oh, okay. in life, you're right. You have to yeah. say, look, is this worth it? Um, yeah. You know, yeah. it's making my heart beat faster. It's causing stress. Yeah. You know, yeah. is it worth it? And maybe, maybe for some people it is worth it. And um, But then again, you've got to make that assessment and, uh, and at least think about it anyway. Mm. Yeah. So, so you've uh, retired now. Have you found yourself subconsciously driving towards a police station and then realising, <laughs> hey, hang on a minute, I'm not here anymore? <laughs> <laughs> um, look, uh, luckily, and, and and this is good in some ways. Um, I still go to the police station quite a bit because I actually wash their cars. Of um, that's hilarious. I've, yeah, I put in for the contract to wash the cars, which was, which was. Um, because the other the person when I left, left the person who was washing them um, didn't want to do it anymore, so that's been good. I've been able to go there, and for, for me, it's terrific. I, I actually like going in there, and I like being, I like talking to the other members about what's going on, chewing the fat, and I like, yeah, it's good, and I like to sort of think that if they've got an issue, that they can come and see me if they if they want to talk about something and maybe get my. Yeah, perspective yeah. on it. Um, like it's sort of sad in a way that 
um, when some experienced police, and I'm not saying I'm experienced in everything, and I don't, and I don't profess to know everything. But you know, but you know I, I, I don't. But you know a lot. Yeah, I know. I know <laughs> yeah. a few things. And I know, and I know maybe where to steer them. You know what to do or where to go and, and get better, better other advice. But it's sort of like old dog knowledge. It's 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 sort of like the old dog leaves. And all the knowledge goes with the old dog, and some of that old dog knowledge you you just can't buy, and you can't you can't get it unless you've done the the thirty years or the thirty five years. And um, so I just like being there, and if they want to have a chat, um, I'm there. If they don't want to have a chat, that's good too. Just just say good day. But I do really enjoy going down there, and um, you know I get paid for washing the cars too. But um, so I think. Really, from a from a health perspective, for me, um, it, it's good. Sometimes when I drive past the siege, where it was, and I do that sort of on a regular basis, I I do think about it. Of course, of course <laughs> um, you would. Hmm. Yeah, but then again, years ago, ten years after the siege, because it's been a, you know what twenty two years now, but ten years after I was working at Castlemaine. Um, and a journo rang me and said, oh, Peter, I'm just ringing to see how you're feeling today. And I said, well, I'm feeling pretty good. I don't really understand why you're ringing. And uh, he said, well, it's 10 years since the shooting. And I thought, it's a ten- oh, I thought, oh, oh, hell, yeah, you're right. Wow, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was thinking I, I must be in a good place if I've forgotten it um, oh, that much. Gee, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so – what do you find since you've retired? What are you missing about policing? Probably, I mean, obviously the com- camaraderie, but then you've got that when you go back to wash the cars, haven't you? Yeah. Look, I, I did get a relief when I left. Um, I couldn't have had a better leaving. Um, you know, we had a morning tea and a party afterwards and um, it could, just couldn't have been better. And I'm really grateful for the members' um Ryan Scott sort of organised a few things and it just, yeah, he did a great job. It couldn't have been better. But I did get a relief walking out thinking, uh, because as a sergeant and we've got trainees there, you've got to sort of know a lot of stuff and you've got to be ready for the questions and, you know, you've got to have the sort of the right answers and where to steer them. So I felt when I walked out, oh, that's a relief. I don't have to keep all that stuff in my head anymore, you know. I don't have to know that section. I don't have to know that policy and blah, blah, blah. Um, so that was a relief, um, but I do miss the camaraderie. I do. Mi- I actually miss people coming to you and, you know, Sarge, can you tell me about this and that? And you sort of miss that a bit because um, imparting knowledge and, um, you know, to me that w- that was what I was there for. You know, I had a reasonable amount of experience. I'd done a lot of interviewing and, um, um, you know, um, initial. Uh, stuff with initial investigations and stuff like that. So, yeah, I sort of missed missed that. But I, I, I've got the camaraderie a bit by being able to go back there. But I think if I hadn't been able to go back there doing what I'm doing now, I, I would miss that a lot. Um, just talking to yeah, talking to people that I've worked with for a long time. It's good. Um, but but we're lucky up here. There's a good retired police group up here, and they meet um, on a regular basis. They go out for lunch. Um, so members do have um, a, a reasonable backup up here. They, they, they've got people that they can ring and can talk to if things if things are an issue mm. um, for them. 
Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, Peter, um, thank you. Thank you for everything you've done to keep us, the community, safe over all these years. And I know that so many people would have been helped by you, like you're talking now about you still help the, the train. I'm sure you do help the trainees. You may not think you do, but I'm sure you do. Um, but I'm sure you've um, guided them, you've um, you've supported them. And, um, yeah, so thank you for that. But also... I'd like to finish with acknowledging uh, the support of your family um, because they've given you in your years as a policeman enormous support. You couldn't have done it without them, could you? And I can't imagine some of the stresses in particular your wife but also your family that have experienced during your career, particularly after the siege. But um, I thank thank you, Fiona, and your family for supporting you and no doubt for um, your understanding, their understanding. When yeah, you I needed to yeah. work, you know, for all those uh, situations, you weren't pre- you wouldn't have been present uh, like myself at many family functions and celebrations. So, um, thanks to them for sharing you with us. Yeah, and they, look, they've put up with me. You know, Fiona reckons I get the, used to get the night shift nasty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, don't I reckon she'd be right. <laughs> yeah, I reckon she was right. Um, but, but yeah, they've been terrific. They, the children have been terrific. Fiona's been terrific. Um, and you know, some things have been hard. And um, you know, the, the shooting was hard. But there's been other things that, that have been hard. And it's been terrific that Harriet um, decided she did a teaching degree first, but said that she always wanted to follow in my footsteps, which I was very, I was taken aback with. And yeah. Tom is also in another area. He's not a sworn member, but he's in another area. With um, Dick Pole, so um, yeah, it's sort of. I'm very proud that um, that they've followed in my footsteps, but that they've been so supportive. It's yeah, I'm very lucky. Yeah, you're very fortunate. Anyway, yeah. thanks for your time, Peter, and again, thank you for everything you've done for the community. Thanks, Norella. Thanks for taking the interest. It's very nice from you. It's Narelle here again. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the podcasts as much as we enjoy putting them together. But to make sure you never miss an episode of Narelle Fraser Interviews, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a rating and even a review. And please share it with all your friends too. And again, thanks for joining us. We have got some amazing stories to tell. So thanks again. See ya. Hello, guess who? Just a quick interruption here to let you know you can now become a Narelle Fraser Interviews Patreon. How exciting! Simply go to www.patreon, that's P for Peter, A-T-R-E-O-N for Narelle.com and search for Narelle Fraser Interviews. And to all of you out there who continue to support me, thank you so much. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.